Hello there, folks, and welcome back once again to Booze, Booms, and Busts. This episode is only two weeks after the last episode, so uh, I must say we've really jumped up the proceedings here. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get back into something of a rhythm with this. If you have only just joined us, the purpose of Booze, Booms, and Busts is to uh, discuss current affairs while at the same time uh, rating beer and, uh, in general, just having a powwow about the state of finance the economy, and pretty much anything else we want to talk about. Sam, how are you doing this week? Good. It's it's, it's nice to get into a slightly more um, usual schedule. Not quite the – what were we doing it? We were doing it every week, weren't we, at one point there, I think? We were indeed, yeah. But, uh, yeah, fortnightly, fortnightly works a little bit a little bit better for me, which means there's obviously a lot more time for things like Bernard Looney to go and fuck more bitches – um, you know, just stuff like that, that to happen in between our episodes. And as you can see, we are quickly back into the thick of things. <laughs> we certainly are. We certainly are. I do. Oh, yeah. So in the meantime, since that last episode, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, so Big Bernard has had to uh, sacrifice £32.4 million, I believe, in compensation to yeah. BP. Yeah, we, we, should, Most... we should probably preface that this with, for all our, for all our new listeners, go and, go, go and listen to last week's episode as well, and this will all make more sense because it's not the first time we've talked about old loony pants. Yeah, I mean, it is a uh, just, yeah, the, the rise and fall you know, the, the hubris that comes with being the CEO of an oil major and the uh, catastrophic impact this has had, all because uh, he just couldn't <laughs> couldn't keep his eyes off the skirts <laughs> in the office. Uh, very hey, amusing. Um, I've I, I got to ask you, now you, 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 raised, you raised the number. You said, what was it? It was like 34 or 32 or 30-something uh, million pounds now yep. I think they're clawing that back from him, aren't they? As well, it's not like a you're just not getting this. It's like, can we have that back? I think. Yeah. So I believe most of this compensation, as is often the case with stock, the commodity, yeah, most of it's unvested stock. Uh, but I believe there is one million at least yeah. in cash that he needs to pay them. So yeah, a very very expensive <laughs> uh, divorce <laughs> settlement, one could say. Well. <laughs> Here's, here's, here's my question for you. Now, <laughs> there's, I, I, admittedly, there's been a couple of times over my, my journey in crypto where um, not 34, well, maybe 34 million pounds, maybe a bit more, not, not clawed back or lost, more opportunity cost by not making the right decision at the right time. Um, oh, sure, how yeah. would you feel, Baez, if, you, if somebody told you they were going to claw back 30-odd million pounds worth of your wealth. And, I guess and, it would depend. more so, <laughs> having, to having to break that to everyone else that was depending on that thing. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess it would depend on your total wealth, right? So if you're Bezos, this is a chump change. But for uh, Bernard, I would imagine it is not just chump change. Now, that, that will represent quite a lot of uh, total net worth. So, yeah, I guess it depends. So if it was for me and somebody just said, oh, yeah, by the way, Boaz, we're, uh, we're going to need like 30 million pounds pronto, I would probably not feel very good about it. Uh, but you're right. It, it's interesting in crypto how 
yeah, is it, this is one of the interesting sides of it, where most of the people you meet who are in crypto will have a, everyone's got a horror story of shoulda, woulda, uh, coulda, right? Everyone you meet at every conference is, like, oh, if only I'd bought X, Y, or Z at this time. Uh, and for some people will try to flex on other people by saying, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I've been in Bitcoin since like 2012 or something like that. And, but then it's like, you're meeting them at a conference and, and you think to yourself, okay, if you were in Bitcoin since 2012, what are you doing here? Why, why don't you, uh, <laughs> you know, retired in the Bahamas at this point? And of course this is big. Yeah. I mean. Uh, there's maybe one or two people who would like stay like Bitcoin Maxi still go to Bitcoin Maxi conferences, but are just general crypto events. Your this is not something where somebody who was a billionaire would choose to spend their time. I don't think so. Everyone's got the sub story of oh, um, I should have done X, Y, Z. I'm sure we have a few few of those between us. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and you do wonder what the what the total exposure is for for just you and me, Sam. Well, I mean, like. So there's a couple of things to that. First, I disagree. I think Bitcoin Maxis do go to conferences, but they only go to Bitcoin conferences. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I mean. They are, yeah, just to clarify, to... Bitcoin Maxis do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a couple of Bitcoin, just Bitcoin conferences, and they're, they're jam-packed with the Maxis. Don't, don't, don't you dare say the naughty C word at a Bitcoin conference. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You could. I mean, you could. You could tally them up. Coulda, shoulda, wouldas. I guess you know. Every, there's always coulda, shoulda, wouldas in in everything in every market, right? There's a, there's been a couple of occasions where it's not a coulda, shoulda, woulda, but it's like you actually have have it in the hand, but you sell too too early. <laughs> yeah, you, you but you you learn to rationalize it. But thirty four million. That's. I think at some point you've got to, in order to survive any market, you've got to rationalize with yourself that you're probably going to lose, not lose, but miss some ridiculously big calls along the way. But then I think it's the older I get, the more at peace I am with the fact that I'm just, I just don't have as as much as I love risk and and my portfolio has quite a lot of it in there. There's a level of risk. There's a level of degen. Uh, degenerate behavior that I just I don't have. I've got a little bit of degen de- de- in me, but not as not not as much as required. I don't think. And and the other thing is is that a lot of people out there are fucking full of shit too. You find that out very quickly at most crypto conferences. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? With um, the the degen impulses, because I've thought about this before. So with with crypto in general, and well, just with investing, right? So, and human psychology in general, people fear, uh, people feel pain much more than they feel uh, gain in that way. So if you're, you've bought a stock and it goes up by a load, uh, that doesn't feel nearly as strong as when you have a stock and it goes down by a large amount. So you actually getting that money, does it, you don't get, you don't feel as rewarded uh, or you don't feel as strongly about that reward as you do feel pain when you have a stock that goes down a lot. And this is just general uh, human behavior, and it explains a lot of uh, you know why volatility uh, generally arises uh, when, in terms of implied volatility, when people are using options, when you're measuring market sentiment, uh, it generally yeah. rises when uh, markets are going down rather than going up, even if they're going up very uh, very strongly. The volatility, the implied volatility, didn't change that much. 
But there's sort of an inverse to this in crypto where uh, people fear. So you, people make a load of money on, on a crypto, right? But they fear uh, selling because then it would go. It, what if it goes up by 10 times more than this? And then mm. uh, I will I will have missed the boat. So people sit on, you know, these huge uh, crypto bounties that they've managed to make, you know, people uh, bought Bitcoin at just the right time, blah, 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 or even bought it you know, much more recently, but it's gone up by load. And they also have a mortgage and they have lots of liabilities, but they don't want to sell it because ah, Bitcoin's going to go to 100K, blah, blah, blah. And it's like this fear of not a fear of missing out uh, can trump the, the sort of fear of, oh, well, what if it goes down by 99%? Yeah. And it, it becomes very much a psychological game, which I don't think most of the people who are still in the space have really have really figured out because if they had figured it out, they probably wouldn't be in the space anymore. <laughs> I don't, I, I, it, it reinforces my view, I think, that of all the things that you do in any market, the hardest thing to do is to sell a winning trade. I actually think that's that's harder than anything. I think that's harder than selling a big loss as well. I think if you're up by, I even, I even think if you're up triple digits or above, I actually think that the hardest thing to do is to sell that position. I think yeah, if, it's it could go digits, up by, if you're by up four like digits. twenty, yeah. Exactly. So if you if you're up like 20, 30, 40, 50%, I think that's a relatively straightforward decision to make. But and, and then that this is where this is where the, I love I do love the psychology of of investing. And it's it's a, it's a game you play against yourself. Really. It's like you're you you're you're in a 4D chess match with your own self most of the time with this. And if if it goes up big because it's gone up big you can't help but think, but it could still go up bigger. <laughs> and therefore, I think it's the hardest thing, right? Even just starting to buy or, or clipping off a small loss or deciding how much to invest or when to invest. Like people think when to invest is one of the hardest decisions. I think that's pretty easy. It's like if you're even thinking about investing, then you just do it. But selling a big winner, fuck, man, that's, that takes kahunas of steel to, to make that call. That's true. But at the same time, in terms of uh, sort of uh, the history of investing, it's often not selling, which is the best thing to do. So there's that great story about yeah, Fidelity yeah. doing their, uh, they did an analysis of all of, so Fidelity, you know, the big American asset manager, asset manager, sorry, and also insurance company, they offer, uh, you know, uh, retail stock trading to uh, lots of people. And they and they've done that for a long time. And once they did a study of all of the best accounts, the best uh, investment uh, accounts that they had, all the people who had been able to make the most money from uh, owning stocks. Uh, and one, yeah. they, yeah, they created a, a, a short list of all the best ones, the best returns on investment that had been made by the everyman, and all of them were dead. And the reason why that they had done so well <laughs> was just because they weren't trading. There wasn't there. There was nobody there anymore. It was like, ooh, should I sell now? Should I should I change my allocation? And in one of the things that uh, you know, our old friend and colleague Akil Patel said uh, regarding uh, real estate uh, land cycles and the uh, the, fo the uh, following stock market booms you get with them is that it's the ones that 
uh, pump early end up being the ones that pump the most uh, as the cycle continues. And this uh, also goes against the idea of selling your allocation to things that have gone up a lot already because, ooh, well, maybe this will be the big winner for this cycle, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So not only are you against, you're fighting your own psychology, but you also need to, to weigh in uh, these, these ideas as well. And so it really is a minefield and there's no easy money in the space. Well, it's, you know, um, I, I, this idea, it's, it's like, I, I like the idea of if you're a serious investor, that you, when you make your investments, you never, ever, ever, ever intend to realize any profits or results or gains from it <laughs> that that it's it's like i was the other day i was sat and this will make sense as soon as i say the name i was sat in the restaurant section of an ikea and um i was there because it was really easy with the boys and it's just like i was talking to my wife and i was like you know there's a reason that companies like this are the biggest private companies in the world because the families that build them and own them never fucking sell them. And it just becomes generational things. And uh, I had this conversation as well with, with my brother because he has some, some quite wealthy clients and stuff that he deals with. And he said, look, the guys that are, you know, the families that are, uh, uh, you know, the, the unknown billionaires that you never read about or never hear about, they're never listed in Forbes or any of that shit because they're, they're a too smart and too wealthy to be listed in those things. We said they just never sell. It's generational wealth. It's built from a great great grandfather that went to a great grandfather that went to a grandfather, and you know it's they were at some point self-made. You know they, but but at some point, like even people that have inherited wealth, it usually comes from self-made wealth. Somebody makes it. There's nothing wrong with inheriting wealth. Um. But yeah, just don't just what yeah, don't sell. Fucking don't sell. I I I genuinely people are like, oh, won't you ever sell your Bitcoin holdings? And I'm like, you know, probably not. My my boys maybe might or clip a bit off, and then maybe their kids might. And I'm just like, but nah, I'm all right. We're fine. <laughs> you know, I don't need a I don't need a 400 fucking foot yacht. I've come to that again. This is this is an age thing. I think. I'm quite happy with the 42 foot, you know, that, you know, day, day boat. I don't need, I don't need one with 17 bedrooms. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all, I'm all for a portfolio. You know, you, you do want some stuff that you can live off and, and have fun with, but I'm all for a portfolio that you buy, leave and never fucking sell. And then when you're dead, it'll outperform everything that you've ever had when you're alive as well. <laughs> Yeah, the whole uh, the whole topic of privately held companies is quite interesting. I get yeah. So if I was to reduce it down, so company companies that go public, uh, this is often seen as a great you know great time to sort of realize all of the gains that you've made with a private company. So you've built this thing up, and now it's time for you to IPO. When you IPO, you can sell some of your holdings in the company. You can then get a huge amount of cash just from that because you can sell a bunch of the stock that is now floating. And then uh, in a lot of cases, at least when I was uh, you know, doing my exams and whatever and looking through all of these, uh, you know, the, the, the found, this is actually a moment for the founders to realize the wealth and then retire. So it's like I've, I've cashed out my chips and now I can stop doing this. But for you know, 
in in that IPO process, you are surrendering control of the company, and now you get some very sophisticated agreements where with voting rights and different share classes where the people who have started the company are still going to be the people who uh, are you know uh, running all the decisions mark zuckerberg being a great example of this where he's managed to rig it in such a way where he was yeah. able to uh, liquidate vast quantities of his stock while at the same time uh, retaining a huge amount of control over the company but it, it is quite a different approach so this idea that okay i've started this company we've ipo'd it now i'm out compared to i've started this company I'm always going to run this company until I'm dead. Uh, we're going to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. There's going to be all this compound interest that just goes back into the company. And I'm going to raise my kids yeah. so that they can then run the company and then their kids can run the company. And, you know, companies like, uh, uh, you know, Patek Philippe and uh, Rolex in the, in the watch space have followed this where they've stayed private because mm. they don't want external views on this because external shareholders uh, may not have the, the, the long-term interest of the company. Uh, in in their you know top of their mind, they may just want to be realizing realizing profits all the time. And we're in you know just on the show, we've gone through a few companies that have uh, over time uh, allowed external parties, be they private equity firms or they've had uh, you know dominant shareholders who've acted against the original uh, the original idea of the company in pursuit of profit, and this has then led to uh, you know devaluation of the brand. Uh, I always think Ubisoft is a great great example of that. Great video game company that then, yeah. that then just dialed, sold out and started making complete crap. <laughs> and the world turned on them as well. And it's like I love when we you talk about things. I can't you can't help but look at the Agnellis as well, right? I mean that's that's a dynasty of all dynasties. And and with with the I read an article about John Elkan the other day, and, and they described him as the anointed one. And I was like, I, I kind of like that whole idea of the the anointed one. I mean, I've not, I don't run a company or build a company. I'm, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not that kind of person. I don't think to to do that. But maybe my kids might be. But I'd love it for them to build some sort of empire like the Agnellis, and then in you know another hundred years time, there's an anointed one, uh, a great grandson or something comes in to to take over the entire show, and it's just kept all within the family. Maybe it's a very Italian thing, but I'm not Italian at all, so I don't. Yeah, I mean. To, to use a more modern and very recent phenomenon, uh, Rockstar Games' decision to always stay a private company it, it is quite extraordinary. They seem to be better than anyone else when it comes to creating a great product and taking all of the time that they need to then create that product. And every time they release one, it ends up being a massive, massive success. So in the last two weeks, we've got uh, you know Grand Theft Auto 6. The trailer's come out. It'll be... I think it's more than a year away before this thing even comes out, and they've got I think tens yeah, of millions I'm already of pre-orders already over that coming out. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, like, but it, the management it seems I think I think is evidently quite extraordinary because they seem to be able to just always produce really, really high quality content, and without selling out to other people, and without doing lots of annoying stuff in the meantime. Uh, where they're trying to make money just because the product's so good. They make loads of money off it. They invest it really well in creating the next product and everyone's happy. I, um, I, the, 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 the release of Grand Theft Auto 6 is, it's, it's, uh, I'm, it's on my, it, the algorithms, my algorithms are, are clearly um, pushing it into my feeds uh, quite a lot because I'm see I see videos and trailers and stuff for it everywhere. Have you seen that video 
which compares the uh, the game uh, uh, stuff like from the game uh, with with the, with real life videos. Um, I, there's and there's like there's like this guy, this this guy, this criminal, this criminal in the US with all these face tattoos, and he's like trying to sue Rockstar now for like a million bucks or something because they use basically. I mean, it, it's him. Like, there's no need to, to to beat around the bush. It's him, and they've used his likeness in the game, and he's like, I want I want my piece of the pie for this. It is it is phenomenal. Like when you see the comparison video, I can't believe. I mean, they've clearly just ripped off real world wild shit in America, um, which is it is it is bonkers. Some of the stuff they've got in there, and you think, oh my god, this is some crazy game. It's like this is some crazy game based on a lot of real life stuff, and it kind of does make me think, like maybe this guy is due something. You know, if someone used my likeness, whether I was a fucking career criminal or not, I'd want a bit. I want a bit of the action. I'd feel a bit cheated too, this guys. Uh, as much as I'm looking forward to GTA 6, a little bit annoyed at what they've done, ripping off people in the real world and probably not giving them any money. Not probably. Here's a free copy of the game. Like, nah, mate, give me some fucking royalties. Well, imitation is the highest form of flattery. I, uh, I remember reading just, I think this is for Grand Theft Auto 4, an article when I was a teenager, where they'd spent years just monitoring the weather patterns in New York in order to make the weather as realistic as possible in the game. You know, a huge amount of uh, effort spent on making things as uh, as perfect as possible. I would say, Sam, that, uh, you know, it's not just America that you're, you're focusing on with Grand Theft Auto 6, as of course, this is Vice City. So it's Florida, it's Florida Man is uh, is what they're trying to, to copy. And Florida Man is, uh, well, uh, he is quite a character, I must say. I was in the first time I went to Miami was this year, and uh, you certainly meet a lot of a lot of characters, I must say. <laughs> Still, I, I reckon they should they should cough up at least, or maybe just at least a copy of the game in a PS Five or something. Yeah, I mean they've got plenty just, of just money to do of, it. Just a bit of goodwill. Yeah, exactly. They're not they're not short. Hey, you know what? I just realised we have not talked about the beverages that we're drinking tonight. Oh yeah, indeed. You you lead us off, Sam. Because I've almost finished my first one. I'll just grab another, and uh, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll... <laughs> so sometimes we get going so quickly that we forget what what we're actually doing here, which is booze, booms, and busts. Although we're very very little usually on the booze. It's really just beers, booms, and busts. But um, at least I think I remember when we originally thought about the name and. We kept it open to booze in the off chance that we would probably not just be drinking beer, but perhaps get some whiskeys on the show, which um, we should do actually at some point. I'm looking around my newly put together office and I can see I can see one of my whiskeys. I'm not 100% sure where all of my whiskeys actually are. So that's probably not ideal. But anyway, back to the beers. Uh, so I'm still on the Algarve Rock because. Um, when I went to that brewery the other day, I got I got pretty much one of everything off their list to to work my way through it. So I'm I'm sticking with the Algarve Rocks at the moment. Now I usually don't like a stout, but this is their rock solid stout. Yeah, the beer that I am drinking tonight, uh, I actually have two beers from a brewery called Holy Goat. 
which is based in Dundee or Scumdee, as many in uh, <laughs> Scotland like to say. I would very much disagree with that uh, that term. I think Dundee is a fantastic place. But yeah, Holy Goat makes some really interesting stuff. Lots of stuff with wild yeast, which I've now become a big fan of. And this is called Fire Breather, which is a tropical sour with mango, passion fruit, and chili. Can't really taste any of the chili, but it does taste very nice indeed. I would give this, um, hmm, let's see, in our beer rating scale, I think I'd probably give this uh, a double B, actually. This is very good indeed. Wow. A tropical sour. I didn't think you were that big a fan of the old tropical sours. Uh, well, it doesn't actually taste that tropical. So I don't. Really, the name is not very uh, descriptive, really. It just it tastes like a sour beer. Um, you can't really taste any of the chili, but um, yeah, very yeasty stuff. I think it's pretty solid. That's funny. <laughs> both the both the beers that we're drinking. Uh, so my stout doesn't quite drink like a stout, hence I like it quite a lot. And your tropical sour doesn't quite drink like a tropical sour, so you like it as well. So the beers that we're both drinking, we quite like because they don't actually necessarily taste like the beers that they say they are supposed to be. Certainly, certainly. You know, Sam, as we did start this talking about uh, people that you meet at crypto conferences, right? Uh, and then we went on to Florida Man. Uh, yeah, if you go to a crypto conference in Florida, you will definitely meet some some really crazy characters. There is one in particular uh, who I recall I met, and um, let's see, the, uh, this chap, he was relatively big on crypto Twitter, but very much uh, Florida Man. He was, uh, I met this guy at, I think it was NFT Miami or something like that. <laughs> and when when I met him, he was smoking a cigar uh, and then alternating it with a weed vape. And then uh, it was uh, on the phone to his drug dealer ordering cocaine and MDMA. And, uh, and then when I met him again later in the evening, he was then alternating the weed vape and a joint at the same time. I then run into him again at a house party later later that evening. Uh, we have a wee chat. At this point, he has uh, started uh, taking the cocaine and MDMA, but he is such a veteran that you can't even tell. You know, his voice <laughs> hasn't really changed. His uh, his speech hasn't changed. You know, he's just having a, a regular friendly chat. He, uh, I would say, he's probably a quarter Hispanic, uh, but is uh, using the N word quite profusely when he oh. is meeting new people. All right, uh, and. He's, uh, he's on a Twitter space in the middle of a house party and is just yelling into the mic. There's other people speaking on the call. You know, the house party is very, very loud, but, you know, that's not going to stop him. He's just yelling his opinions into the Twitter space. And uh, I speak to him a little bit later on, and I was like, uh, yeah, you seem like a, a proper Florida man. Thank you for this experience. Uh, we then start speaking about firearms as he, uh, he, as he owns <laughs> loads of guns. And, uh, and then he pulls up his, uh, his shirt and shows me the, uh, the, the 38 that he had tucked down the front of his pants. And I was oh, like, wow. nice, nice. So yeah, weed, coke, MDMA was probably pretty drunk as well. Carrying a firearm, probably drove home that night. Seemed like mm. uh, the full whack. I, um, I've, I've never carried a gun on me before, I must admit. Um, I, I I get why 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 people in America do carry guns in certain states. 
not there's not a debate about gun control or whatever that I wish to go into. My point is, sometimes I have a phone in my pocket, and it's a bit uncomfortable. Sometimes it like moves so it's like horizontal rather than vertical in my pocket, and I find it really difficult. I would find carrying a gun in my pants to be a real inconvenience. Do you think that's something that you just get used to? Do you think like, you know how sometimes, you know, you like, if you wore something around your arm long enough and tight enough, your your like body would just kind of morph around it. Do you think that's where it gets to where your body just morphs around the gun and it goes in the same spot? I just find that it would be a very uncomfortable thing to have stuck down my pants, pointing mm, right at okay. Jack's crackers. Yeah, so in this case, he did have one of these, it's like uh, quite fancy inner waistband holsters. So it wasn't loose in his pants, which I think that would be that would be something, just moving fast with that would be a bit of a liability, especially if they're kind of like a Glock or something that doesn't even have a safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you do see people with that. I remember, yeah, I remember my brother, uh, he was at a, a Starbucks in LA or something. And just the guy in the queue in front of him was wearing tracksuit bottoms, but with a Glock just tucked Oof. down the ass of his pants. And it's like tracksuit Oof. bottoms as well. So, uh, you know, very, very loose. Seems like such a liability. This guy had got this, um, this leather inside of the waistband, uh, holster, which probably kept it quite snug. I would imagine that if you're carrying one long enough, then you probably feel naked without it. And it's probably just like wearing a watch where if you don't have it on your, on your person, you'll feel weird and be like something's missing here. And that would be the approach, but yeah, you, you'd want some kind of secure holding place for the fire. Like even, rather than... even if, even like if you go and sit down on like, like a, on like a, sofa or something like do you just pull your gun out and whack it on the table because it's like it's not something you can sit down with in like even in the in the front or the side or the back of your, you can't sit on a couch with a gun in your pants can you yeah i mean i i guess i just uh, i've not uh sadly not the been part of the, the befuddle me yeah i mean you could always be one of these uh you know really cool 1920s uh american policemen police detective things where they've got some kind of uh thing around their braces that they're wearing you know oh, where yeah. the holster the, so, is like so that like tucked under the, your like arm. rib cage over shoulder holster thing i'm all down yeah. for that yeah like <laughs> flip back the suit suit flap and bosh i'm like left hand sweeps the jacket back right hand into the just under the under the armpit wash bang yeah that's my style the pants thing i struggle with to be honest yeah yeah i think it's fair enough uh you always think some of the you know the the more the more military style of carrying a pistol where it's this brace that you tie around your thigh would probably be the most comfortable way of carrying a gun that's not on your torso however Mm. you can't really do that if you're Mm. a civilian walking around unless you're in like oklahoma or something and that would still be considered quite weird if you were doing that so yeah i guess it's all about ease of ease of use when i when i went to a gun range in uh where was it this would have been i think it was in and it was actually in New Jersey where they have very strict gun laws. So you can't actually, the, the people at the gun shop aren't allowed to let you touch any of the guns and stuff. Uh, but they were showing me, they had these Derringer pistols 
which for mm. uh, anyone listening who's not aware, these are very, very small pistols, which uh, can only handle either one or two bullets of a very small caliber. Uh, and the idea is, uh, you know, you see it in some movies where it's like tucked up a sleeve, very, very old design. You see them in some old Westerns and stuff and uh, really, really small. And they had, and the, this was like a, a favorite for a lot of women to carry in their handbags because, you know, they're not massively uh, accurate at any kind of range. They don't even have sights, a lot of them. The idea is if a man is harassing you, you just pull this out of your handbag, you push it against them to say, <laughs> get the hell away from me. Uh, and they had these with uh with i think it was pink yeah pink furniture as they say so pink uh wooden paneling on the handle and this was uh, a big seller for some of the ladies in new jersey <laughs> so if you're carrying it in a handbag you know have you ever carried a man bag sam maybe this would be a more comfortable thing for you i uh i, I can't say i've man bag fanny pack bum bag whatever you want to call them i, I it's not it's not it's not my jam either likewise um, yeah but do you know what? It's funny when you say it's like they used to carry the just in their, in their purse or, or, or handbag or whatever. It reminds me of that, that Nokia phone. Do you remember the Nokia lipstick phone that was designed specifically for, for women? Um, yeah, I think that one passed me by. Tell me more. Oh, it was, so like back, it must have been the, it was, it was either the 90s or the early 2000s when Nokia was releasing like new wild design phones practically every fucking month they would release these suckers it was back in the times of like the nokia engage and stuff like that and there was like an, right. one that was shaped like a small egg and they did this lipstick one that was basically a phone in the shape of a lipstick and and i think it only had like two buttons and you basically had to cycle through the numbers to actually get like to dial a number and texting was like impossible, but it was, it was just to look like a lipstick to go into someone's purse, but it was an actual phone. It's like if Nokia, if Nokia made guns, they would, they would make something like that. The dare. Just just yeah. Go in your purse. Yeah. I, funnily enough, I believe there was an, uh, a, uh, Eastern European dude. I forget the, the country. If it may be, maybe it may have been Albania, um, uh, who had gotten a contract to work for civilian, you know, for, for governments in Eastern Europe. But then, due to he's got this, there's this entire saga of this uh, gun maker who then ended up just working for organized criminals, and he had created a phone that was really just a gun. And uh, <laughs> there was there's just a butt, so it's got I think four four chambers on it, I think so you can carry four bullets, and it's just by pushing this uh, button on the side will fire one shot, and yeah, pretty pretty grim stuff I've got to say, but straight out of uh, some assassination movies. Speaking of which, Sam, have you watched The Killer by any chance? I did watch The Killer actually, and. Ah, where to start with the killer? I I wasn't quite sure whether to make heads or tails of it. Um, I felt like it 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 lacked a finish for me. Yeah, I I I, I I I I get I get the pacing of it, and I I understand the way that that the direction was done, but. Uh, yeah, I didn't like the end, to be honest. 
at all. Yeah, I, I guess I was expecting some kind of boss fight, but that's probably just from being conditioned yeah. from all of the other action movies I've seen. I thought it was probably the best movie I've seen for quite a long time, actually. Uh, Fastbender is a great actor, so he definitely yeah, pulls he is, it off. Right. Um, yeah, look, I yeah, mean, I it, was great, it, was, it was great up. I think, I think it was great up. and Like, I was engrossed. I, I was great up until, and we're not, I'm not giving away too much here. It was great until he broke into the billionaire's building for me. It kind of yeah, lost me enough. after that. No, well, it's pretty close to the end, I guess, which uh, makes sense. I, I did quite like how it sort of stresses the idea that uh, if you were a modern hitman running around, you'd <laughs> you'd not be living a glamorous lifestyle at all. You'd just be paranoid and waiting in hotel rooms for your next flight, and then looking behind your shoulder all of the time. Uh, and yeah, I thought I thought that was that was pretty well done, at least. Just just knowing that at some point. Again, like again, without giving away too much in the scene, but yeah, at some point, somebody else is sat across the table from you because your time is up. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But yeah, not Sam, a great I way think, to do uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Even if the the guy does end up with a boatload of money, I suppose. I guess uh, I guess we should uh, we should comment on other developments in the past couple of weeks. The whole AI girlfriend thing is uh, really kicking off. You see oh, yes. much of that, Sam? Yeah, I was actually, funnily enough, I wrote about this today. I um, actually I should plug this. I don't know why I've not plugged this on last week's episode. So I do a Substack now. <laughs> oh, you know, you I interviewed as one does. Indeed, I say it's my Substack. It's a Substack I do through South Bank Research, but it's pretty much mine because I started it, built it created it write everything for it um schedule it send it um some other people do some things to help but it's pretty much mine uh, it's called ai collision for anybody that's looking and it's just all about ai stuff some funny stuff some weird stuff some stuff on stocks etc etc go check it out substack ai collision or find us at a uh, twitter at ai collision ai because ai collision was taken unfortunately so it's ai collision AI. Uh-huh. anyway get back around to that yes i was writing about it today Uh, i was doing an issue for tomorrow that's going out or today or tomorrow i can't remember when we published this but anyway um and i was writing about this this one uh that sort of has swept across social media over the weekend um i think it's called digi.ai where the ai girlfriend i think it does boyfriends as well but the ai relationship uh, that you see is basically a sexed up Disney character, like fucking Elsa with bigger tits and sexy eyes and shit. And I was like, I didn't know, I didn't know what to make of it. To be honest with you, I didn't know if I liked it or not. Like, if you're if you're if you're of my age, and you maybe you've seen some of this shit, Boaz too. But when I when I was in high school, like one of the fucking wild things that used to go around from time to time were like images of like porn Simpsons characters and shit like that, like. Aladdin, Aladdin porn where Jasmine was like getting fucked by the genie and stuff like that. And if 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 you're over the age of thirty five, maybe you're familiar with some of this stuff as a kid. And and look, now is like I think on some of the tube sites, like there's whole fucking categories for it all. Anyway, the point is, is it's it's it fucks with your brain a lot when you see like a, a Disney looking character with the big doe eyes and stuff, and you know, all of a sudden talking sexy to you. I um. It's it's fucking it's fucking weird. It's it's kind of fucking cool, but also kind of weird. And then I saw somebody comment. They're like, 
people like kicking off and going, oh, this is horrible. This is a dystopian future. Oh, this is this is how AI de- degrades society into oblivion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I know what I think I know what to make of it. <laughs> well, at least I, I have my two cents, I suppose. Though I must say, Sam, maybe it's maybe it's you know just an age thing, or maybe it's just because you went to school in Australia. Uh, but that certainly wasn't my experience in high school. I don't remember people putting up photos of Rule 34 Disney movies <laughs> at school. I think that was uh, maybe yours. I remember actually when I was, um, yeah, actually when I was younger, and obviously we have a bit of a, a bit of an age discrepancy here. I remember reading, uh, and this was like the first time that I had heard that this was this was something people were doing, because Emma Watson uh, of Harry Potter fame were you know gone to university or something and people were putting up deep fake porn photos of her like on the on her door uh and and i was like wow i didn't know people were this is what photoshop was being used for but of course you know it makes sense that uh, that was how it's applied obviously these days uh with ai it's it's much much easier to do this and it's going to create all sorts of problems in the future with with political campaigns and stuff, which is actually something we've discussed on this uh, earlier. Mm. Regarding the AI girlfriend thing, however, yeah, I mean, I do think it is massively dystopian. I think there is a there's a huge issue with younger people not speaking to the opposite sex, generally boys, and I think this is just going to make that much much worse. And uh, I think it's pretty sad that uh, and this I feel is actually quite predatory. People on the other side of the argument say. Oh, well, uh, you know, if we just stop one mass shooting in America, this whole project is <laughs> well, worth it. Comes um, mass sh- it always comes back to mass shooting, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, come on. I mean, I don't think uh, any, of these, uh, any of these idiots who decide, yes, the logical course of action for me uh, is to just bring uh, a gun to school or any kind of weapon and just start and start killing my classmates. I don't think those guys were getting laid. And, uh, you know, they certainly were probably longing for female company of some variety. Uh, overall, though, I, I do feel it's like a, a net negative. And uh, but the memes that have come out of this are, are fantastic. You know, so the AI girlfriend, you know, asking you for, uh, you know, in a, in a, oh, you're so interesting. Uh, what was your mom's maiden name? Uh, what was the street that you grew up in? <laughs> what was your first pet's name, et cetera, et cetera, which I found What street good. did you grow up on? Yeah, and uh, and then 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 there was somebody who would compare who had said that uh, if only Ted Kaczynski had been introduced to this AI girlfriend, you know, she could have fixed him. He wouldn't have ended up becoming the Unabomber. Uh, that someone then uh, took a quote from a Taylor Swift song saying, "I'm the consequences, it's me," which I thought was uh, pretty good, but only if you're uh, interested in the life of Ted Kaczynski, I suppose. But overall, I would say very dystopian. Do you know what I haven't seen is I haven't seen too many conspiracy theorists jump on this to say that it's the WEF's attempt to reduce the birth rate by getting people to stop meeting real life other sexes and having children. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if if somebody figured out some sort of link to that. I don't know. I think it's all blown up at way out of proportion. Um mm. I, I don't well, okay. think it's going to, I don't think it's going to, uh, I mean, I get your point. I, I get your point about how it could, it could certainly change the behaviors of younger people. So you have to, there has to be some sort of, you can't, this is not stuff. This really isn't stuff that should be open to anyone under the age of like fucking 
probably under under the age of 40 actually to be fair <laughs> <laughs> but if you you know if you you know you kind of at that point and you know that that's that's your best best bet then fair play right um oh, yeah. i don't know I, I i honestly think you you will look back at this sort of shit in 20 years time um you know and and go oh didn't really do much birth rate's still high people still you know making babies um okay so steve has a fucking disney girlfriend that gets a kid off for him on the big screen at home and you know he has a great jolly old good time watching more disney plus i mean i guess it takes a whole new meaning to disney plus doesn't it um it does you know, some there are there are plenty of dudes and girls and girls. Should I add this girls too, right? I wonder. You know what? I wonder if the thing that came out online over the weekend and a lot of these 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 AI relationship things. I wonder if the the primary thing that we saw was like a an AI dude, and it was everyone was talking about. Oh, it's not, like no one's saying. Oh, that you know. Oh, the, this this is going to change change women. Oh, it's like oh, this is going to change young men. Young men are going to uh, gun control and it's like whatever. This thing works both ways, right? What about all the women out there that might want to use this? Are they all of a sudden going to stop wanting to have kids because they're so in love with I don't know any male Disney characters? Um. <laughs> well, okay, uh, no, I think I think there is I think there's a few what? things that that could be said here. Okay, number one, I don't think the birth rate is high, Sam. So, like, I don't think the birth rate, when you say it's going to stay high, I think this is definitely going to be bad bad for the birth rate. Sorry, uh, when I say I, it's, going to, it's still going to be a net positive growth, in my view. Uh, hmm, I, yeah, I, I would disagree. I think it would be a net, I think it'd be a net decline. But we should have uh, a 20 year wager on that. We should have a 20 all right, wager. all right. Booze, booms, and busts episodes uh, 2000. We can, we can revisit this. Um, but. Uh, I think when it comes to male female, no, I think this is mostly, I think this definitely comes down to uh, being mostly male oriented. And the, when they first released it, they did, uh, it obviously was the female version. And I think that's definitely where, I think it's men who don't want to approach women. At the end of the day, most ladies aren't going to approach you. You've got to make the approach. And this is just for men who don't really want to do that. And for women who do, who do you know, would have one of these companions, etc. Well, there's plenty of women who uh, go to sperm banks so they can have babies by themselves. So I don't think that's, uh, you know, okay. you can easily imagine some dystopia where, uh, you know, this woman has just, uh, you know, fallen in love with her AI companion, etc. And this, this then acts like they're, you know, the, the father of this child that she has, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I, one element but... of this I don't think has been, one element that we've not discussed, which I think is, actually has a more direct use case and it comes back to your idea of this only being available to people over 40 is this is really just what nursing homes are going to look like in the future all these baby boomers are just going to be plugged into oculus rift with their ai nursing companion or whoever they want and they're just going to be watching that till they end they like until they're dead and i think that is that is proper dystopian i really don't want to go out like that just watching a screen with some uh, Large language, speaking to a large language model who says they really love me and they're, they're taking care of me and shit. That is not how I want to go. Um, no, no. But if I'm, you know, pissing and shitting into a bag and I can't fucking walk more than 10 feet without, you know, my bones collapsing in on themselves, 
but I'm still mentally, you know, able to connect with things, then, you know, there are elements of that where I'm like, okay, this could be useful. I could still do other stuff as well. But, you know, if a bit of my time I want to spend on the beach, you know, in some other country through an Oculus Rift, it's not the worst thing in the world. Sure. However, I mean, they can occupy, it is possible using a Oculus and whatever, just to occupy a drone that's flying around somewhere in a very exotic place or occupying some kind of, yeah, maybe in the future, some kind of uh, land-based drone where it could be on the beach, etc. cetera. Um, and I think that is much better than being in a virtual environment, speaking sure. to somebody who's not real. True. But I think the idea of, again, you know, there's, there is a thing, you know, there's, there's a legit issue in a lot of places where with people that are lonely, that are, you know, elderly people that are on their own, maybe the widow or widower, don't have a lot of kids or don't visit loads and stuff like that and a lot of family you know the idea of talking to a large language model to for some companionship i you know i think there's a lot of good use cases for some of this stuff too okay it doesn't have to be sexified disney characters but um you know they, i think it can be put to good use particularly actually in aged care and things like that but back back to the to, to sexified disney because it's way more interesting um <laughs> is uh, I, I actually did have a point there but i've now forgotten what it was um, oh, like well, the, the the other thing that I think it, maybe it does, and again, this can be this can go one or two ways, but it could help. It could help people to learn how to talk to the opposite sex in a more engaging way. Not necessarily chat up lines and things like that, but just like how to actually talk to a woman. You know, for a lot of young dudes, that's a really difficult fucking thing to do. Because and then because they don't ever talk to girls, then when they actually get a chance to talk to girls, they really sh- shit at it, and then the girls shut them down, and then they feel even worse, and then they you know recoil back even further. So it could be used to help them to just take some baby steps to being confident enough to go and talk to some girls. Um, Literally, girlfriend simulator. Time, girlfriend simulator. It's like you know, like flight simulator or train simulator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it yeah, Microsoft girlfriend simulator? Microsoft Girlfriend Simulator. I'm sure, you know what? I'm sure there's a fucking meme about that from like 1995, Microsoft Girlfriend yep. Simulator. It's nice. kind of just an evolution of that. <laughs> or what was it? Oh, there was a game. There was a game you used to be able to play. I think we've made a talk, talk about this on, on, on previous booze, booms, and busts. It wasn't Leisure Suit Larry, but it was in that ilk. Do you have, did you, do you, have you ever heard of Leisure Suit Larry or any, any of those games? Don't think so, no. All right. Or for all the young people that are listening tonight, uh, do yourself a favor. <laughs> Go on to Google and Google Leisure Suit Larry game series, and, and um, it'll be an eye opener for you. This is, you know, when you grow when you grow up in the era of the the earliest stages of of video gaming, console gaming, PC gaming. What you see over the years is, and to where we are now, is it makes a lot of sense, to be honest with you. It's it's just progression. It is evolution and progression in its finest form. Um, but there was there used to be a game that was that was like these AI girlfriends, and and it was basically you you had to do certain things and choose certain options and prompts to to impress the girls. This is just that, it's just that, and for the modern era. And the game's got a little bit more real-time feedback, that's all. And look, as, as much as there's a lot of people my age that are fucked up, we're not all fucked up. We, we go okay. So I don't, think it's, I don't think it's as big a dystopian future as, as it's probably made out to be in some circles. Yeah, 
Yeah. I would say as a as a sort of a closing comment on this, I think when you're thinking of the male female divide, Sam, uh, in in countries like China, where there are actually uh, more young men than there are young women, uh, and this is becoming a big sort of demographic problem for them, all a consequence of the young of the one child policy. You can easily see how this is going to be skewed uh, in one direction, and there's very yeah, yeah some, some horrific stories from like uh, of the sort of pickup artistry scene in China, which has led to girls killing themselves oh, and stuff, God. which is really really grim. Um, and yeah, I, I just uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, just you know, as every as every man in your family tree uh, has done, at the end of the day, you just need to go and approach women. There's no shortcut to it. <laughs> you shouldn't be trying to create a shortcut to it. That's just how it is. And in you know later life, you know you in your life, you should have uh, you know facilitated uh, friendships and. Uh, uh, Friendships with people on your family and strong bonds with your family, and they'll be the ones who are with you when you're, you know, when you're when you're closing out on life. I don't think, uh, you know, abdicating responsibility for this and saying, oh well, there'll just be some AI model that you're going to speak to. I, I feels like an abdication of responsibility to me. Yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> Not much more I think we can say on that. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, anyway, we've only got a few more left, a few more minutes left on the clock. Is there anything you want to touch on this time around, Sam? Before we we head out. Well, um, so what is it? What's the date today? I think before the people, our listeners, our many, many tens of listeners, um, mm. before we we they hear from us again, it will be uh, Christmas time. Feliz 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 Natal, everyone. Feliz Natal. <laughs> as they say all right there. very cultured <laughs> oh yeah for listening so we we went we went to a to a town today went out for lunch today and um there was a santa and a train thing there and the boys went up to santa and santa only spoke portuguese so the best i had was eh, bom dia santa feliz natal <laughs> obrigado <laughs> obrigado nice <laughs> I'm getting slowly, slowly getting there. Um, so uh, what I was going to say, though, while we just coming off the subject of AI and it's it's increasingly good use cases, um, if people haven't actually jumped onto ChatGPT yet, and I suggest you do, and I suggest you pay for the premium model. It's like 24 bucks a month. The number of GPTs that are being made now by other people to help you do shit is fucking cool, man. There's a there's a GPT now that will help you come up with really good gift ideas. So, okay, it's a bit like Google. I mean, you could jump onto Google and go, oh, give me, you know, can I have a gift idea? But all it does is it just gives you the fucking bullshit SEO options that are, yeah. you know, people that have hauled themselves out through SEO and ad spend and shit like that. You jump on a GPT and you go, all right, so, you know, I'm thinking I need a present for my wife. Here's my budget. Here's some of the things she likes. Here's her age. Can I have some like five or six gift ideas um, that I could go and buy from this shop or whatever? And it gives them to you. And I'm like, fuck, that's really cool. And some of them are like, oh, yeah, I've thought about that already. So it's kind of confirmation bias. So I was like, cool, maybe I'll do that. That's what I'll actually go and do. It just helps spark a bit of creativity. Anyway. Highly recommend it. There's a lot of cool shit, and if you if you're taking you know if you've got you've got a bit of time up, up your sleeve over over Christmas and stuff, check out some of the cool GPT shit you can do. It's pretty fucking cool, you know. 
Yeah. Um, you know, funnily enough, I have a, uh, an acquaintance of mine is very, you know, a big um, promoter of using ChatGPT to find things for yourself that you might like. Uh, so he's just training these, yeah. uh, his ChatGPT account to give him cigar recommendations. And, you know, every, he, every time he has a cigar, he re then reviews it to ChatGPT to then inform it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Personally, nice. I'm not sold, but that is just me. <laughs> um, you know, funnily enough. You're at, an analog uh, man in a digital world, Boaz. That's me. That's me. I'm, I'm going to need to get a, a Nokia brick. Speaking of which, my uh, my Samsung Fold has finally broken after three years, and I bought it. Uh, I bought it pre-owned, probably three and a half years now, actually. And How, what was what was the um, method of destruction? Uh, well, uh, I, I wish. Uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, this looks like a phone that's just been put through a blender. So it has survived uh, many drunken nights falling over. As it's very heavy and I'm quite tall, whenever I sit down, your pocket is pointing down, and so it just slips out yeah. smacks on the ground. Uh, and so it's completely smashed on the front. Though interestingly, the front is not what's broken, so it's the big screen at the back. It, uh, it will flash yeah. green once, and then it will be completely bright. But the front screen still works, so I still have time before I find another one. And I have been wondering if I should just go for a Nokia brick and then, uh, you know, revolt against the modern world and send people short texts. But I imagine <laughs> I will have to go for another for another Android phone at some yeah. point. So get the uh, is it what you do you have the fold or the flip that's broken? Uh, the fold, the fold, the big one. Get get the flip. Go the flip. Oh, why why up? why the flip? Why the flip? Well, because it's not a fold. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. You know, Motorola have their folding phone as well. You know, their reinterpretation of the, the razors. Razor. So I can yeah. pretend to be an assassin and, you know, flip my phone shut and say, it's done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did go down that whole... I, I, tried to, I tried to kind of do the Nokia thing a little while ago with a, with a sort of brick. And it's just inconvenient. It's, it's good in theory, but it's not sustainable. It's a shame because uh, we're out of time now because we could have talked about the Solana saga, which has now finally sold out all of a sudden. Uh, because it's it selling has... online for like six grand, I saw. Fuck. Yeah, well, it's all the bonk that's pre-installed on it. Everyone wants that bonk mm. token. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, if things are selling for if, – if bonk phones are selling for six grand online, that's usually a pretty good fucking indicator. Yeah. Certainly, certainly. Sam, will we be doing another one of these before Christmas or should we be wishing all of our listeners a Merry Christmas now? Yeah, I, 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 I don't think... So Christmas Day is, is, I think, around this time, depending on when we send this out, to, is, is about this time next week or a bit before, and then Boxing yeah, yeah. Day. So uh, it, it might be a tricky one, folks. So it may be a, it may be a New Year thing. It's, it's like, oh, fair enough. Everything's on a Monday and Tuesday this year. Yeah, so uh, Feliz Natal from me, at least, for sure. Uh, very, very sophisticated. To everybody who is listening and you're still with us after all this time, we didn't start this a long time ago, or if you're a new listener, we do wish you a very Merry Christmas. Hope you're feeling all festive over there. Maybe got some uh, some festive beers as well. All the breweries seem to come out with some crazy stuff every year just to cash in on the Christmas market. Maybe there's some interesting stuff you can try. But that's all from us for the moment. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you either before the new year or just right after. Have a good one. Bye-bye.